0: What's up, Wolfpack? Welcome to another episode of the Adaptive Alphas podcast. Today, I have a special guest for you guys. Before I introduce the guest, I want to start this episode with wishing everybody a happy New Year, happy 2023. I hope you guys are smashing your goals out there. I hope you guys are getting after it and chasing your dreams and and failing forward and challenging yourselves in whatever capacity that is. I wish a lot of pain, I wish that you endure a lot of challenges because with that comes growth, whether that's inadvertent or whether that's conscious, it's gonna happen. So let's jump into today's episode. I have a multi-dimensional entrepreneurial individual. He's the founder of Cacao Breath and he's also a breathwork facilitator. Uh, That's originally how I found out about him. He's here local. My older brother actually is a big supporter of Nico. It's really impacted him in a positive way. That's how we originally met. So, Nico Miyatake. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking the time out on such a short notice to come out on the podcast. How are you doing, man?
1: Yeah, I'm stoked to be here, man. I'm I'm doing great, and um, yeah, it's cool because originally uh, I hired you as a business coach, mm-hmm. and that was when I was first getting started. And um, just seeing everything you do really inspired me, and it's so I'm I'm jazzed to be here, man.
0: The first thing that you and I talked about was was really diving into purpose. Yeah. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah. Um yeah, you had taken me through a process that was the soul's values or mm-hmm. core values and discovering your soul's compass and um that was big cuz it was a uh, in a a new version of an internal alignment that that really helped point me in um a direction that made sense yeah. for me as an individual.
0: Yeah, and I think I think also when I'm thinking about the are the community and the people that listen and tune into the podcast I think they know they do why, you know, why they do what they do. But when you really dive in, you're like, okay, what are your values? What principles do you have? You know, what system are you predicating every decision moving forward? Right? Like what helps you grow, what helps you advance, what keeps you motivated? Can dial in and, and get super clear on those things. And so, you know, on the in those times where you don't feel as motivated to get up in the morning and do what you're supposed to do. You remember? Oh, it's deeper than just something superficial. It's literally like my soul, my soul's calling type of thing. So, um, going back to that moment, I, I remember you got very emotional when we were doing some of that process. Do you, is that you're you're not generally like that, right? Like you're generally the person that's facilitating these this emotional expressions and like people release and and really come to center, right?
1: Yeah, it was honestly, it was just so nice to be led. <laughs> in the events that I lead, I'm the one doing that. And I usually am very picky about, you know, I don't go to other people's events because, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about why later, but, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was just nice to just be, be led for a little bit and feel like the, uh, the, the quality of the container and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And so let's talk about early years. What do you want to share? As early contacts for them to get to know you a little bit better.
1: I was born in Japan, lived there for about three years. Um, grew up Mormon. Parents divorced when I was about ten. <clears throat> I lived with my mom. Uh, my mom stopped going to church when when my parents got divorced, and so I I stopped going. I grew up without a um, a male role model in my life. My, my my dad was just working, and he we were divorced, and my mom kind of. Um, shared with me her opinions about my dad, which really <clears throat> shaped my young mind. And so I, I think it's just been recently in these last few years that I've I've come to have formed my own clear opinion and and see my dad for for who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was huge. Um, but I grew up, you know, as a teenager, I spent a lot of time BMXing, snowboarding, longboarding with friends, like getting outside. Kind of, I was kind of an adrenaline chunky. Okay. I was I was pretty athletic still am and um um I was always fascinated and deeply inquirious about the unseen world the unseen realms and like right we, you know we call that spirituality or esoteric or whatever and um
0: not to derail you just because, just because I I'm getting a little bit of more nuance. Would you say that doing uh, BMXing, snowboarding, these different the sports that allowed you to really challenge yourself, do hard things, right? Like I'm I think I've seen some clips of you on online where you're 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 a pretty good snowboarder. So would you say that's helped you really discover who you are? Like uh, was that part and parcel of a self discovery journey, doing those sports? Um
1: maybe i've never thought about that to be honest with you but what i love about it is back then i was i was i was very competitive and i always pushed myself so i was always on this edge you know like like when you're when for me at least when i'm riding it's like oh i can be comfortable and i have i have developed a certain level of skill um and then there's the that the edge where you're like pushing yourself a little bit and um I I just love that because it brings you into the present moment. So I mean, if you're not, you're gonna crash. You're gonna break a bone or something. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm sure that there's some crossover between those things. Now that you say that,
0: and with without like without a father figure, right? Is that yeah. that's fair to say, right? Yeah, without a father figure, did you did you guys did you have mentors growing up? Did you have people? who you wanted to emulate or men or or strong presence or the strong masculine?
1: Yeah. So I, uh, I'll first say that I was, uh, I, in seventh and eighth grade, I was very depressed and I missed like ha- more than half of the school years in junior high. And my mom tried to bring some guys around to like help me. And I just, I was just like, screw you, dude. Like, Nice try. Um, <laughs> That's right. And then I met, um, uh, I got into Reiki when I was like 17 or 18. Reiki's a an energy healing modality. And then through that, I met um, my a shaman who I at that time considered to be a type of like spiritual father or whatever. And I, I was just very young, but he was a mentor. He was someone I wanted to emulate. And he was very much, um, I mean, he was a self-proclaimed shaman, but he was very interesting because he actually ended up creating and from my opinion the what we see today is the ceremonial cacao trend Mm -hmm. and he's actually trained um indigenous shamans of who are native uh and kind of reintroduced cacao to them as and now they're doing work with cacao as a as a plant medicine partner and heart opening medicine so
0: and you said you were in your teens when you met i was in my
1: teens i was 18 yeah
0: And that's a really interesting and fascinating story that I I would love for you to share with the audience if you're open to it. This was in Guatemala.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to share. So yeah, I met him when I was 18. I worked with him, uh, on a monthly basis for about a year, maybe two years and just doing online Skype sessions, cacao ceremonies. And, uh, his work was, uh, with the help of cacao, which can be a great aid for meditation and inner work and intuitive processing um you go inside you take the the inner journey you you look at um yourself and a lot of it is is very based on feeling and intuition and internal visions and the idea that all of our thoughts and feelings uh can are in one form, one form or another a manifestation from our subconscious and unconscious and so working with these things that bubble up, um, as signposts or signals or internal messages. And, and in the same way, using reality as a, as a feedback system to learn about yourself. It's like, if you have an emotional charge towards something, it's like, oh, you can, you know, you can like take it inside and ask yourself why. And, um, and to me, as I've grown older, that's, well, uh, so to continue, so mm-hmm. he, um, and I, Lake Atitlan, Guatemala was where I studied for with him for six months. And this, this was a crucial time period for me. Uh, I was 21. I was like going to college. I wanted to be a naturopathic doctor a chiropractor. So I was doing studies for that. Uh, I was working at powder mountain. I was snowboarding as much as I could and, he made me an offer one day. He was, he was, I guess he thought enough of me. He was like, why don't you be my scholarship student and you can come down here and study the human energy field. And I was just like, like what? Like everything in me just like jumped. And I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. So I dropped out of college. I broke up with my girlfriend. I quit my job and I just got a one-way ticket down there. Um, While I was down there, he was running three ceremonies a week. We were in you know, ceremony was like four to six hours, three, three times a week. And then the other half of the week, I was apprenticing with a, uh, an acupuncturist who was running a free mobile health clinic in rural parts of Guatemala, where basically healthcare didn't exist. So we were using acupuncture, massage and Reiki to treat people. And that was just so eye opening Cause you, you go out into these rural places where they're basically just working the land and like They work all day. They work so hard, and you see all like they have all these gnarly health conditions, and it's just like, and they don't have anyone to help them with it. And so, um, it was a, it was I, I got steeped in that for six months. You know, I was doing my inner work, and then I was like in service to these people the other part of the week, and um, it really just opened me up, and uh, and I I won't say that like the whole thing like. You know, blessings come in a lot of different forms, you know, I think part of the blessings of that was being exposed to misbeliefs and 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 uh, being indoctrinated and just picking up a new ideology and running with it <clears throat> and and learning to, in retrospect, unpacking all of that and going like, OK, you know, I kind of like I used to be Mormon, but it, maybe I just picked up a whole nother ideology and to really see that it's just the same thing in a different form. But maybe just more individualized to me. Um, but yeah, so I I spent six months doing that.
0: So how did you guys originally meet?
1: <clears throat> yeah, so he was he was uh, touring through SLC at the time, oh. and and he someone in the Reiki group was like, "There's this shaman that's in town, and uh, he does cacao ceremonies. Do you guys want to do it?" And so
0: does he introduce himself as, as shaman, or is that more of some like edification from other people? That's a good question.
1: I I think Keith wouldn't introduce himself as that um you know he he's an interesting dude he, he spent most of his life splunking and rock climbing and he mm. claims to have invented some of the gear that climbers use today he just came up with the ideas invented it and gave the patent the patents to his friends okay. so he's in my eyes uh very forward thinking and ahead of his time and is very much a pioneer mm. um, of consciousness i think too because because awesome. i've been integrating the stuff he said for till now i mean i'm still integrating it's been 10 years you know
0: it's wild and that's real that's real when you're saying that like the integration phase from one ceremony one plant medicine journey one session even breath work you're like two years later whoa Yeah. Yeah. yeah so anyways keep going
1: yeah so um yeah i spent six months with him but i really i was i in total i worked with him for about four years and then I came back after that, I came back to the States and I was just like, I, I didn't, ha- I didn't know what to do because I just basically got blasted open is what it felt like. I didn't have a community to come back to. I didn't really fully understand what I had just gone through. Um, having experienced such a out of the box way of life, I guess.
0: Um, and in that like overall four year time frame, do you have any experiences that you want to share that were just like? Super like yeah, altered state yeah. like that. You just there was one
1: time I was on his porch and um, you know we just just cacao which, was this in Guatemala? This or was is in Guatemala, it's... yeah. Mm-hmm. And his porch is very much kind of a group therapy setting, and he has as people are going processing through their stuff, he would often have other people help facilitate so that they could be validated or seen in their gifts or whatever. So, anyways, there was one time where I just felt. The only way I could explain it was that, like, my nervous system was shedding and that I was letting go of a a lot of beliefs. And so, like, I on a very physical level, I was just shaking and my nervous system felt like it was just lit up. Like, Mm. like, if I was, it's as if for five or ten minutes, a higher voltage was running through me. Mm. Um, And that was... I, I, you know, like, I just, one of the things he would always say was like, this isn't for your rational mind to understand. Mm. And so uh, I just was like, okay, like I'm feeling this. I don't know what the hell I'm feeling. (laughs) And another experience I'll say too, is after that, I was actually living in Iceland at this time. I was doing, uh, cacao retreats and ceremonies over there with someone and I just, I was going to bed and, uh the energy was just like really really high somehow and um i felt this electricity run through my spine and it was it was two stages two stages of it the first one uh it was so strong that it like if i if i moved i felt like i was gonna explode or like blow up or something and i was uncontrollably laughing and it was like kind of scary because i couldn't stop laughing Mm -hmm. and then it happened again and the energy was like even stronger and i and again, like no explanation. Like I woke up and I was fine. I I did feel like my senses were somehow heightened and increased, and like I could, just, uh, empath. Like I could really feel someone else, um, which was something I had to cope with because <laughs> right. being too empathic is is a ble- both a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two experiences were definitely very out of the box and and not explained.
0: What do you mean by being too empathic is a blessing and a curse? Because if you if you're
1: too if you're empath too empathic, you can feel someone else, mm. and um, you lose touch with yourself. So it makes it really easy to to self sabotage. And to unpack it a little more, it's like if you, if you're an empath and you don't know it, you'll walk around most of your life feeling a lot. And and not knowing that it's not yours, but what happens is like, you can, it makes it really easy for you to lose your identity. Because if you're constantly processing someone else's emotions, um, you're not getting in touch with yourself, you know? Um, so you just lose touch
0: uh, for any empaths that are listening out there. What would you, you know, what would your advice or what have you come to find? Like what helps, you know, somebody who was is- trial by fire, man, by- <laughs> 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 I th-
1: honestly, I think that's it. Cause it, it eventually, I mean, that's how I learned if it might not be the case for everyone, but I got into myself into a place where, um, I, I was like processing someone else's uh, and this is where codependency and like emotional enmeshment and toxic relationships all that kind of stuff fits in here um you do that and it it becomes like a you will process someone else's emotions so that your base needs are met basically Mm. and um it became so painful painful enough for me that i decided i would make a change
0: And so would you say that that's that, that skill set is that for, does everybody have that ability? Is everybody empathic to a degree? Is there a degree to that ability? Are people desensitized to that ability?
1: It's a great question. Um, I don't think everyone has it. Like, I don't know, my dad, he's always like, I I got thick skin and you know, he's, he's always like water off ducks back. Mm -hmm. Um, and so maybe he's on the other end of that spectrum but i think a lot of these people that maybe find themselves in codependent relationships or are emotionally enmeshed with people i almost guarantee they're they're highly empathic mm-hmm. and the 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 solution is actually to become more selfish mm-hmm. in a way so that you can um fend for yourself cuz i mean this has been my path but it's like you you got to learn how to take care of yourself. Like you don't want to be leaning on someone your whole life, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Provider is one of one of the, the core tenets of masculinity, I think for sure. Yeah, like being being able to provide for the tribe, the community, the people around you, whether that's mm-hmm. through hunting or through other entrepreneurial means or business means or career mm-hmm. orientation. Yeah, so one of the values that that I share with with individuals I work with through this podcast is hunt every day. You got to literally hunt every day. That's something that i found like naturally just feels right. Um, at least when, when I'm in a really healthy state, like when I'm moving my body every day, eating health conscious, um, you know, limiting screen time, getting outdoors, like I'm in a, uh, in a space of creative and action orientation and like execution, like moving forward. Right. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I actually want to speak to the devil the the other side of that or at least my journey which was like i think in the new age new cage community or even some spiritual communities there's a misbelief that like life can be easy and that you can kind of float by and that you don't have to work that much and i totally bought into that when i was a teenager you know like that was part of it for me so and i also was kind of rebelling against that very belief because i wanted to do it a different way i wanted to prove the men of the world wrong and like right. do, do something else right. and yeah just recently i've i've come to understand that like that's really what makes me feel like a man is like when i'm providing when i'm like building shit when i'm taking care of my own and uh and yeah health definitely plays a part in that and so that that i to speak to the the misbelief of of that how easy it is to adopt misbeliefs from spiritual teachers or gurus um man you gotta watch out bro because i i was living in that for like five years and i felt like i was just pissed because i didn't i was like it's not working
0: you know yeah and um Well, you you said it best, right? New Age, New Cage. Yeah. So good. (laughs) TM, New Age, New Cage. And and I I think, and not to cut you off, but my mind is, my mind goes to when anyone in any vertical, I feel like when, like, you know, they call it in business, they call it snake oil salesman, Mm -hmm. right? They sell the... Create ten YouTube videos, you'll get a million subscribers, and then you'll be financially free for the rest of life. Get this five-step book to launch a business and become, you know, a millionaire overnight. Like it's just this the path of least resistance. Yeah. And I get there's a marketing piece to it, but to a you know whether it's ethical or not or moral morally you know okay that's uh, that's a discussion for I think on a- every individual basis. But in general, man, the people that gravitate towards that path of least resistance remind me of children. Yeah. Like, you know, I have two kids now, and if you were to put my, my 11-year-old and you were to put junk food in front of her and you were to put a salad in front of her, nine times out of ten, if nobody's there, she's going to choose the junk food, right? If no one's there to guide her or to help her out and make that decision, she's going to choose that. The path of least resistance is sugar, dopamine, right? Get this instant gratification. And so that's what these, even in the spiritual community, that's what it reminds me of. New age, new cage. It's like, no, you can attract everything. Just, you know, sit in lotus pose and chill and take, you know, do breaths. And I just think that there's so much complexity to everything. Like, is there such thing as too much meditation? And I think it always maps to your end goal, right? What is your end goal? But I I know when I was the most focused on breathwork meditation and just centeredness, I was not doing any action. And sometimes that's necessary, right? recalibration there's different aspects but sometimes it can become an interesting deterrent on your in in your overall life life path it's like just like anything like too much water can drown you yeah you know what i mean and so it's like just because and this is a newer thought process i've been having like just just because you're doing that every day maybe the the step that you do need to take is that action yeah maybe that step you need maybe you need that you stress that healthy dose of stress.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, meditation's great. I think everyone should meditate for (sighs) however you don't need, I don't think you need to meditate for more than an hour, Mm -hmm. you know, but to be able to reap the benefits from meditating, that's important. Um, we, we were kind of having it in the, talking about this in the context of like, you're not doing anything when you're meditating and, um, there's something happening inside, which is like, you're, you're, I think you're adding to your happiness. You're, you're establishing inner peace within yourself. Um, you're calming your nervous system. You're regulating your nervous system. Super important to know how to do that. Um, but you're right. Like it's not, you're not, you're not getting out there in the world when, when you're meditating. And sometimes you've got, you have to do that if you want to get, get by it in this world. So again, like the misbeliefs about uh, the, that can get installed by you know gurus or teachers. It's like you y- you gotta decide for yourself. You're I think that if you continue to take advice from everyone else your entire life, you're never gonna find yourself. You're never gonna be happy. And there comes a point where just putting in the work and like I think it's like the healthy dopamine when you you're you're working an achievement for an end goal. that drives me you know like you achieve you just complete small tasks throughout the day boom like there's your dopamine hit you know
0: which is earning earning your dopamine right versus like that instant gratification that we have uh frederick nietzsche quote comes in my head which is i wish suffering upon you i wish pain upon you and people are like "That's why the fuck would you say that like and it's because it, it, the rest of that quote is like it makes you a person worth of value, you're a person yeah. of value. Yeah. And the people that most people look up to in whatever industry or vertical have gone through so much fucking trauma, traumatic situations, life lessons, like gotten punched in the mouth over and over and over. And so you 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 want the success. You want the the prestige, you want these, these certain things, but most people won't get it because they, they don't realize it's on the other side of that suffering.
1: Yeah. You can avoid, you can avoid pain. You know, it's the easy way you can continue to do that. Um, and I'll, and I'll just say from my personal experience too, like going through a, a a toxic relationship was like a huge catalyst for me. And that type of pain and suffering, like I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for that. Um, and so it, it is interesting to wish that upon people, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, to protect people
0: from that. Mm-hmm. Again, I guess it's just unorthodox advice, right? Like the spiritual age, spiritual cage yeah. type of um, advice. It's it's truisms when we, we were having a brief conversation before um, we started the cameras up it's truisms that that exist, whether we like it or not, that we've both found. It seems on our spiritual paths, and that, that's another conversation that I want to have, but I I don't think I'm going to bring it up in the the podcast. But it just just briefly, it's everything you do is spiritual. Yeah, spiritual doesn't look or dress a certain way.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've ad- adopted like every you eating good food and making sure you're hydrated and getting good sleep is probably the most one of the most spiritual things you can do because if you're not taking care of your physical body you're not going to feel right to show up and do what you need to do during the day and so that's where all spirituality becomes very practical and where it makes the most sense is in your daily life you know Mm -hmm. it's not reserved for the retreat it's not reserved for an event those things can help like light a fire or a spark but it's not the solution. Yeah.
0: Well, how'd you come to that?
1: Like, like I said, I didn't have much of a father figure or a male figure growing up. And so I was kind of coddled by my mom and my two older sisters. I'm the youngest. And it was just the pain of, of like being coddled that, that led me to, 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 being able to like, all right, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to do this on, for myself. You know, I don't, I don't want your help. If I continue to accept your help, it's not going to make me any stronger. It's going to make me weaker.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like you handle yourself with such grace when you're saying this. I I didn't expect it. Do you have like examples of that you could maybe share with the audience of how to do that with more grace, right? Instead of going hyper masculine and becoming asshole.
1: Humility. Uh, It's a combination of humility and will. You know, like. Uh, I, my motto this year is to is to mature quietly, to grow quietly like you don't need to be unmodest and showing yourself off and proving yourself to other people like you don't give a fuck what I, what other people think, you know what I mean and I've, I've come to adopt that because I've been on the other end I used to people please, I used to try and empath everyone and make sure my needs are met because I can just so easily identify other people's emotions and make sure they're taken care of and then I'm taken care of and that's that doesn't end well and so um yeah it's it's you don't have to be the, you need to be assertive but you don't have to be loud about it mm. like you can you you can do what you need to do and no one has to know about it and i think this is part of the american culture is like oh we got the cameras rolling you know everyone's watching me i want to be seen i used to want that too mm. um i think it's just the, the wisdom in it for me is just knowing that I can overcome my environment and I don't have to prove that to everyone.
0: Mm.
1: Why is that important to you? You have to be able to solve problems in life. Like if you're not a problem solver, um, you're not going to get very far because life is usually a series of problems that, that get thrown at you and you're just like, you have to adapt and rise to the occasion with those things. And it's hard, and and that's the you stress that is important. Like you have to let yourself feel that. I also spent a lot of time just uh, offloading those responsibilities to other people, mm-hmm. and like I said, that doesn't make you any stronger. And like, um, to me, it's important to have that inner strength because if I can't overcome, if I can't meet my external experience with the the strength that's needed to like rise above it. I think I have a a natural inclination for growth and evolution like I feel like my life is a series of deaths and rebirths and I just know that I'm going to constantly go through those and then I'll allow myself to go through them because I've learned that that uncomfortability is is uh, it yields fruit you know there's things that you get from allowing yourself to go through that type of shit
0: i think that the the most beautiful lessons or the most value is extracted from those those times with the 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 topic of problem solving and and when you actually are living life in a way that you're challenging yourself and pursuing interests and goals and you're every on a daily basis you're you're having to problem solve where did the interest in cacao. Where did cacao breath come up? What was the journey like there?
1: Yeah. Um, Cacao was just a tool in the tool belt. Um, It was one of the first plant medicines I was introduced to. Um, It definitely has a heart opening effect and a a, a creative enhancer. Um, It gets your blood moving. It makes you happy. Um, And so I just recognize that this is something that was such a big part of my initial awakening, mm-hmm. and like I knew that I could share that with the world, um, having such deep experiences with it that I could package it up and and share it with with people. Um, and and what's unique, and I'll just talk about my product a little bit. Um, what's unique about my cacao is it's called Maya cacao, <clears throat> and so I actually got the idea from the shaman, from my teacher Keith. Um, he said that, that Maya nut is a supreme synergist with cacao because it provides, it's a more, it's a very dense food. It's like, you know, it's, it's heavy. Um, the seeds themselves are, you think you got to think of them like little rocks because there's so much calcium and magnesium content in them. Mm -hmm. Um, so it provides a type of grounding base for the heart opening effects of, of cacao. And, um, and I, yeah. Did, Your
0: product is the only one that has Maya nut in it, right?
1: Yeah. There's, there's probably, I, I believe that there's less than 10 Maya nut manufacturers in the world. So this is like an untapped, unknown yeah. superfood. And I kind of, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm just sitting on some gold and it's like it's just ahead of its time or it just hasn't become well known yet because it's, it's good for the environment. It's drought resistant. These trees provide food for a, a lot of the ecosystem that surrounds them. Um, That's
0: also in Guatemala, uh,
1: Central America. It, it even grows in Florida. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a it's a cool it's a, definitely a cool tree.
0: Were you still uh, pulling a thread of getting uh, study or scientific research with that?
1: No, not so much. I mean, I mean, we run tests and like the polyphenol content is uh, it's it's up there with cacao, and cacao has a lot of polyphenols and antioxidants and stuff in it. Um, so there's, there's health benefits. Um, it could become a, add a food additive, a baking additive that would increase the nutrition of things like flour, white flour, um, all of these alternative flours. So if we started putting that in with it, with these, these flour alternatives or, or gluten-free things, mm-hmm. it would definitely in, enhance, uh, the nutrition
0: interesting
1: yeah it's 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 promising but i it's um
0: where's your intuition where is it guiding you like uh, there's so many different applications that we've talked about over the how long have we known each other two years a year two years almost about two years so over the last couple years we've talked about the different potentialities for the nut.
1: it's kind of catching on as a coffee alternative okay um so there's that uh aside from that i i would man if it could uh get into, <clears throat> I mean, it's a, it's an untapped food source. Like it's growing already. Like the stuff that I get, it's, it's wild harvested and it's, it's, it's taken care of. We do tests on it. We make sure there's not any like bad molds or things like this. And I just think that it, I don't know its potential. I think that's what excites me about it. I I'm kind of in the flow
0: with it, you know, um you're just open to anything yeah so that's that's a little bit of the background with the maya cacao yeah you distribute online right so people can go to your website what's your website uh CacaoBreath.com. Cacao and you use that as uh at your to start every breath work yeah
1: i serve it before breath work class um i you know a big part of the a cacao ceremony for me is just educating about the history of cacao and the health benefits of it um and of course it's you know, when I, when I learned from my, the teacher that I studied with, um, a lot of the, the, what the ideologies or the, the beliefs that came with it extra, mm. but like cacao itself ha- is an amazing food. I mean, there's a reason why it's like one of the biggest industries in the world. And it's, it's, it can definitely be used as a health Food, Mm. food, meaning like it's something you can eat every day. Um, Yeah, so it's, it's, he, my teacher would call it the food for the shift. You know, he, Mm. he believed that it would, it was something that could help people align their consciousness or shift their consciousness. So like when I started really looking at it from more of a business perspective, I was like, all right, cacao, what's the motto? Like if we had a tagline, what would it be? And this what came to me was um, cacao is a plant medicine partner that can help us solve our planetary and personal issues by facilitating a shift in consciousness that is more heart based. And so if you look at like, you know, the like the mind is a great servant. You've heard Mm -hmm. that saying it's like bad master, but a good servant. And that our the electromagnetic field coming from our heart is is like 50 times more powerful than the one from our brain. And so when your heart is open, um, you enter a, a, a field. You know, Joe Dispenza would call this the quantum field and you start to activate that more and you have more of a you, you essentially another way I like to put it is like you become a creator instead of a consumer. Mm-hmm. And that's a big shift. And like being able to step into being more creative and creating art or projects or businesses or products is is far more fulfilling than just like going to the store and, and buying things and and using things and watching tv and mm-hmm. uh, etc
0: so can can you for our listeners what's the quantum realm can you explain the quantum that Quantum realm this is fascinating and i i just want
1: to be clear because you are your own best teacher and and guide and i think when people get in touch with their inner compass or inner shaman um that's don't listen to me you know And I'll say that the the quantum realm is just like the unseen. Um, I think it pertains a lot to what we would call it involves spirituality, but it's like this web, this web that connects everything. And I guess the idea that that I've bought into is that um, your heart is the gateway to your soul and that by just maybe setting a simple intention to listen to your soul you you can live a more aligned life and it doesn't have to make sense to your rational mind in fact it it probably won't um i was talking to a buddy of mine who i'm actually we're making a new product together he was like everyone in in life thinks that there's an end goal Mm. and and that the and that getting on the wave to get back to shore is it to get to a shoreline is the goal and he's like is there's no purpose to singing or dancing or running mm-hmm. you know it's it's like the purification of yourself through the activity mm-hmm. and so it, the concept is just like you just got to learn to surf the wave and and um and it's at sh- when you're in that it that you could you know in spiritual circles, they could call that non-doing or non-action when you're just so in that flow state or whatever you want to call it, that it's, um, you're in alignment with what feels good to you. And I really think that life can be that simple. Like all this stuff that like reading books and all this stuff is great. And information and memory Mm -hmm. is great. Um, I wonder what the world would look like if people were just in touch with that flow state that exists within
0: them that comes through them
1: from them you know
0: the consume versus create kind of mentality that you talk about or way of being is just it's not even close you know like when you're consuming netflix and tiktok and like all of these different things and like consuming food and and entertainment all these things versus when you're creating it and i hope everybody gets to experience what the difference is between creating media or consuming media creating products versus consuming products creating brands versus consuming brands like if if everyone could experience what it feels like to create something or to take something you know ethereal or something from your mind or from from thought to reality that process of that little process of creation is like so fulfilling yeah so yeah it is it's it it's
1: you put like a piece of yourself out into the world Mm -hmm. and and then you get to see how you know hopefully it has a, a beneficial impact on on whoever and it is it's very rewarding um in fact the The biggest reason I decided to do entrepreneurship, it it wasn't so that I could share cacao with the world. It was so that I could grow and so that I could go on, I could expand my own evolutionary journey. And that to me is, that's
0: number one, man. Mm -hmm. So true. (laughs) Yeah. So true. I always say business and entrepreneurship is one of the greatest catalysts to growth. Business, or I'll I'll just say entrepreneurship, um, relationship. And kids Let's dive into, to that parenthood, Yeah, you know, being a bonus dad, that's, that's one of those things that you and I have had in many conversations over the last, you know, year and some months or a couple of years. And I remember one time we were talking about raising kids and parenthood and I, you said something and I was like, Hey, I, I, I don't have a dog in the fight when it comes to parenting bonus kids, you know, or being a bonus dad. Yeah. Do you remember that? And yeah. I'm just, cause the complexity, the nuance, the, there's just so much to that, that I'm like, I don't know what it would be like. So I, I don't really have anything to, to, yeah. <laughs> to give you with that. Yeah. I mean, so to all those bonus dads out there, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's,
1: first of all, I'm, I'm, uh, I have some experience, but because of the situation that I'm in, I, I actually aren't, I'm not around my partner's kids that often. Okay. Um, and it's it's interesting because we because i had divorced parents and i i had you know my mom i my mom had misbeliefs about my dad that really affected me and now i see that that's exactly what's happening just to a more extreme degree and it's very sad it's unfortunate with my partner's
0: kids and her ex so speaking from your experience what do you wish your your mom wouldn't wouldn't have done or would have done better. i
1: wish she wouldn't have ever spoken about my dad mm-hmm. and and she did she she said a lot of things about my dad that made me believe and i was a kid you know i i, I couldn't think for myself back then mm-hmm. that made she said a lot of things that made me believe that he was a bad person mm-hmm. it wasn't true my dad's a great guy mm-hmm. he's he's a great dude as i've gotten to know him
0: You guys are rekindling that that relationship now, years later, right?
1: 25, 26 years old. I, I'm like just, I, in a lot of ways, I just feel like I'm just getting to know my dad. Yeah. And so I, from my perspective, I'm like to my partner, I'm like, yo, your kids probably aren't going to see you for who you are until their brain is fully developed. Yeah. It's sad. And, and, you know, I, and we could talk about people with bad behavior and stuff, but like, and the the way the judicial system is, can be a tool to help alien, like alienate kids from uh, a parent who's really just trying to do good by them. It's, it's so sad.
0: So, so for all, all the co-parents out there, right. All the bonus dads, bonus moms, the, it seems like the lesson that, that just from hearing what you've told me in, a little bit on and off the podcast was, treat your, the person that even though you're not in a relationship with, you guys are raising this human together, right? You don't need to overly, you know, praise somebody that you're no longer like in a relationship with, but you also don't need to demonize or tear that person down because what you just said was, and now you're living real time through that is that you're finding out who they really are on your own which will happen regardless of how much you convince your children that this person is doesn't care or is worthless or
1: yeah love your kids enough to let them know that like they can form their own opinions about their parents and and that like my opinion about your dad is it doesn't it doesn't mean anything it's like you you should have the right to think for yourself mm-hmm. um yeah yeah it's, it's hard as, as for my personal stance with, you know, cause it's like, oh, do I, should I try and be a, a extra dad to them? I'm like, I, I just want to position myself as like a cool uncle type person. It's like, I get to be your friend. I get to hang out with you. It's like, it's not my job to, to parent you like you have parents, you know? Um. So when I am, when I have been around them, I've just tried to be supportive and kind and and like have fun really i think that's one of the best things i don't have my own kids but like mm-hmm. if i had kids i would want to have fun with them because that's what kids are supposed to do kids are supposed to have fun you know once they're like older and they start becoming a young adult like maybe then you can you can work harder at like teaching them some things
0: yeah yeah i like that Einstein quote that says that the highest form of intelligence is play mm-hmm. it's so true yeah it's so true Yeah, parenthood is another one of those catalysts for growth, for sure. Having kids,
1: I want I wanted to talk about uh, being the extra dad Mm -hmm. and co-parenting rather than breathwork. Okay, because breathwork and going to like breathwork events is not real life. Mm -hmm. Like, if you get into a relationship with someone and you have kids with them, like that's real life. That's a that's a consequence you're going to deal with for the rest of your life. And if we're talking about um spirituality, like mm-hmm. like learning to deal with your situation mm-hmm. is is more spiritual. Maybe breath work could help you cope and like bring you to these times of clarity. But you know, in the in the situation I see my partner in, like, you gotta go to court. You gotta come up with the money to go to court, mm-hmm. you gotta come up with the inner strength to to fight in court if that's what your best thing is and that's hard bro Mm -hmm. it's easy to go pay 50 bucks and go to a breathwork
0: class Mm -hmm. anyone can do that like yeah so true so real and uh you're you're one of the the few facilitators that will admit that right because everyone wants to make a profit or or have people come to their breathwork um, class, and but it's just real. It's real, it's raw. Yeah. And I think that's why you and I have connected and stayed connected over the years. You may be transitioning into taking uh, one-on-one clients, working, which I think is a natural evolution, right? Just getting more of a data point, becoming this more holistic person. What does that look like? What would your ideal client be for anyone listening that may be looking for? somebody with your skill set my ideal client is someone who's
1: they're committed to their own growth without any kind of fluff like they 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 already know what real work is and that it takes a level of perseverance and, and and grit and will it's not like these fluffy standards that are like the shit you see on instagram it's like buy my e-course book and you'll Mm -hmm. it's it's like what what are you doing with your time throughout the day and 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 like how committed are you to you know if you come to me and you're like i want to get fit you know it's like okay well are you still like drinking soda are you still eating fast food every day because if you like if you are i'm not gonna work with you
0: seriously yeah baseline you still drinking (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah
1: yeah so people that are already on their health journey people that are already on their uh at the beginning of their entrepreneurial path and maybe they need some help like coaching or building a website or with like graphic design or just someone to hold them accountable and um i life is is like it's what happens to you when you're not ready for it you know like i just got better i just healed up from being sick for like a week and a half with the flu i wouldn't feel good enough to really do anything i mean i tried and i pushed myself to to do things but sometimes you just like when you're sick like that you just got to chill and rest like life is just life has lessons to teach you and if you're not receptive or humble enough to learn from what life has to show you And I don't want to work with you.
0: (laughs) All right, facts. Where can people find you?
1: Instagram is Cacao Breath. Uh, I have a Facebook. It's just my name. Nico Miyatake. Yeah.
0: Okay, Wolfpack, I appreciate you tuning in today. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, like and subscribe. If you are listening, go to the YouTube channel, like and subscribe. I've got a ton of content coming out this year. A lot of guests. Um, We were double downing my goal for this uh, for 2023 is to become the number one men's development or self-development podcast in the world. And that is a big goal. So with that, uh, I'm going to need a lot of you guys to start subscribing because you're watching, but you're not subscribing. (laughs) I think I have something like 80% of people that watch don't subscribe. So thanks again, man. For anyone that's uh, listening or watching, we've had more technical difficulties on this episode than I've had The entire last 20 episodes that I've put out, like, accumulatively more in one than the last 20. So thanks for bearing with me, Nico. Appreciate you taking the time out, and uh, I hope you guys got some value today. Peace.